1: a day podcast.
0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Really appreciate you being here today. Really excited about today's episode, actually, because what I want to do is take an all encompassing look at this Packers defense and what I think they can ultimately be in 2023, what they lost, what they gained, where they're at, what they need to improve at. So, we're going to go over everything today, what I'm calling the state of the Green Bay Packers defense. So, kind of like the State of the Union address, today we're doing the state of the Packers, but we're focusing on the defensive side of the ball. So let's first of all, look at some statistics from a season ago, and then we'll look at again, who's left, who is in, who's out, etc., And we'll kind of go from there. So from a statistical t- standpoint, they were tied 17th last year in points allowed at 21.8 points per game. They allowed the seventh most rushing yards at 139.5 yards per game. As we've talked about in the past, they allowed a staggering and really not great 5.0 yards per carry, They had the sixth best pass defense, however, with only 197 yards uh, of passing allowed per game. They had the fifth fewest sacks, which actually took me a little bit by surprise. I know they lost Rashawn Gary, but I was still not expecting it to be quite that bad. But fifth fewest sacks with only 34 sacks a season to go. They had the eighth best third down percentage defensively with a 37.6 conversion rate. That's really, really good. They were tied at 11th with 24 takeaways, so not bad there. Per PFF's rankings, they had the 21st ranked defense, and per DVOA, they had the 20th ranked defense. Now, let's rewind just a little bit and go over the fact that this was a defense that was expected to be top 10, maybe even top five a season ago and it never came close to that. From game one against the Minnesota Vikings, where they looked completely lost trying to cover Justin Jefferson, just about through the end of the year, they underperformed through the vast majority of that season. They did find their footing a little bit later in the season, and some of the, you know statistically showed up a little bit better late in the year, and I think their defense really gave them that puncher's chance to get into the playoffs. But overall, a disappointing effort a season ago. 17th in points allowed, 20th in DVOA, 21st in PFFs rating we we can you know fudge the numbers in whatever direction we want to go depending on how you want to grade them overall. But somewhere between about the 17th and 23rd ish ranked defense, I would put them firmly in that range. I don't think anyone is going to put them anything above 17 for what they did last season. Now, as far as what they've lost, really only four players on that defense that are gone from a season ago. Dean Lowry is gone. Jeron Reed is gone, Chris Barnes is gone, and Adrian Amos is gone. So Chris Barnes, not a ton of playing time a season ago. So that one is fairly inconsequential. Adrian Amos, starting safety. Jeron Reed got a ton of playing time on you know along the defensive line and was really one of their starters up front. Same with Dean Lowry, right? but how did they grade? These are per my grades last season. Again, grading every player on every play. Dean Lowry was a negative 1.05. Jerron Reed was a plus 0.75. Chris Barnes was a negative 0.55 and Adrian Amos was a negative 3.75. So their net grade of the four players that they lost was negative 4.60. So there's an opportunity that you could potentially have some addition by subtraction there outside of Jerron Reed, Lowry, Barnes and Amos all had negative grades a season ago. And Jerron Reed, he did have that huge play against, what was it, the Dolphins a season ago, um, where he had the forced fumble and fumble recovery to get them back in that game. I thought he played well. I thought he had a really nice overall season for what they were able to get him for. But, it wasn't game changing. It wasn't, you know, season altering overall the way he played. It was good, solid defense and you need players like that, but it's not this massive loss either. It's not like they lost a major playmaker in the middle of their defense. It just wasn't the case. So Lowry, Reed, Barnes, and Amos all gone. Again, their combined grade negative 4.60 from a season ago. Now in, in their stead in their place is a variety of different players. A lot of rookies here, but you've got Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, Luke Van Ness, Brenton Cox, Jonathan Owens, Traverius Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Carrington Valentine. So those eight players are coming in. Now, we don't know if, you know, I'm sure probably one of those safeties doesn't ultimately make the team. Brenton Cox is going to have to fight for that spot. We'll see if all eight of those actually make the roster. But again, Wooden, Brooks, Van Ness, Cox, Owens, Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Carrington Valentine, all incoming players, some new talent, some fresh faces for this Joe Barry defense. And then the other thing that we have to address here are some injury concerns, right? Green Bay really only has two real injury concerns at the moment. Unfortunately, they're both on defense, and that is Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes. And unfortunately, they're two former first-round picks. Rashawn Gary, arguably the face of this Packers defense right now, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, certainly in that conversation as well. But Rashawn Gary may be the most important player on that defense, How he recovers from that injury is going to be huge and what impact he can have when he does come back from that injury is going to have a huge influence on that Packers defense. And then Eric Stokes, who really nice rookie season, really fell flat on his face a season ago before having the injury, and then sustains a very, you know, concerning Liz Frank injury that can really affect a player moving forward. Not only is it going to be important to see when Eric Stokes gets back, but more importantly, what does this new version of Eric Stokes look like? The 4 for Eric is such a huge part of his game. If that's now a 4 6 or a 4 5 like, that's going to change the way that he ultimately has to play corner. And that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because one of the huge things that he needed to do anyway was find out how to play a better technical brand of football at that corner position. You would still like him to be able to do that while having 4340 speed and not having to slow things down, maybe coming off a Liz Frank injury. So it's not just when does Stokes come back from injury, but A, what does he look like? What type of speed does he have? And B, is it more like 2021 Eric Stokes where he had a really nice rookie season? Or is it more like 2022 Eric Stokes where he didn't look anything like his former rookie self last year? So I think those are some big injury questions that are gonna have to get answered as well. And we're probably not gonna know that until we're really well into the season to see when Gary and Stokes come back and just what versions of themselves they are at that point of coming back from injury. Let's take a look at what this, I won't say like depth chart, but just kind of position by position, the players that are going to be making up the majority of this Packers roster. Now, not all of these guys are going to end up making the team, but these are the really the main names that are in contention for those spots. Could a undrafted free agent or another name get involved here as well? Absolutely. But as of right now, these are the main names that we're talking about. And I'll go position by position here. Along the defensive line, I'll just start by saying, if there is a group that I am more excited about to watch, you know, up front than this defensive line group, I'm not sure. Tight end is certainly going to be in that conversation, wide receiver as well, but defensive line, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, and even Jonathan Ford, I'll put in that category as well. I'm excited to see all of these players. I always, always, always enjoy watching Kenny Clark play football. He is as technically sound as it gets, and we've talked about that he didn't have his greatest year a season go. That was the first sort of sign of decline that we saw from Kenny. I think he's going to bounce back pretty darn well. I expect him to have a really good season this year. Like I said, even in a down year for Kenny Clark, we can make the Aaron Rodgers comment here. Like a down year for Kenny Clark is still the, better than the vast majority of defensive linemen in the NFL. So I love watching him play. I'm really excited to see what type of jump TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt can make with them getting, uh, you know, really the starting snaps that Dean Lowery and um, Jerron Reed got from a season ago. Their playing time is going to go up exponentially. And I think they're really going to make the most of it. I think these are two players who are ready to break out, ready to make a major impact on this Packers defense. And I'm really excited to see both of those players play and to see just what that impact is along the defensive line. And then Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks already getting a shout out from Matt LaFleur. And he did put the caveat on there that the pads haven't come on yet, but already getting a shout out. Out for the growth that they've made between rookie minicamp and then OTAs and minicamp. And these are two players that I think are going to be able to be of you know some assistance as pass rushers on the inside. I've talked about in the past, I think Carl Brooks has the ability to maybe even get a little bit of time on the edge as a bigger edge rusher player um, on obvious rundowns. My guess is they probably keep him just on the defensive line and on the interior to start and don't overwhelm him with stuff. But down the road, that's something I think he could potentially do as well. I'm just really interested to see how they integrate those two new pieces. And if you kind of think of it this way, right? If you're going from Reed and uh, Lowry, the the easy comparison might be to say, well, you're going from Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry, two veterans, one of which played really, you know, pretty darn well a season ago, to two rookies in Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Like, how can you possibly expect to be better? But I actually don't view it that way at all. I view it as you're going from Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed to, you know, an increased playing time for TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt. And they're going to take the majority of those snaps that they had. And I very much think that Slayton and Wyatt are going to well outperform with those starting snaps, what, you know, Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry did from a season ago. And then you have Colby Wooden and Carl Carl Brooks taking the limited snaps that TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt got from a season ago. And that's where I think you can make the argument that probably Brooks and Wooden aren't going to be as good as what Slayton and Wyatt were in those limited snaps a season ago, but they were limited snaps. And I do think there is some potential upside there. Plus, you also have to remember, Lucas Van Ness can get some of those snaps by moving on to the interior as well and giving some pass rush prowess on the inside as a pass rusher on the interior. So I think that is a real opportunity to increase some of the level of productivity and just overall talent along that defensive line as well. Add in Jonathan Ford, who looks sleeker and better than he did at any point the season ago. And I'm really excited about the state of this defensive line. And I do think this defensive line will be... I don't know if I'll go as far as to say much better, but like they're going to be better than what that Packers defensive line was a season ago. Even losing Lowry and Reed and even just gaining basically two rookies, I think this will be much improved, mostly due to the fact that I think Kenny will play better than he did a season ago. And I think Wyatt and Slayton are ready to take pretty big jumps and really be much more impact players than what Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry were with those snaps last season. So really, really looking forward to watching this defensive line in 2023. On the edge, so much of this is going to be Rashawn Gary, but let's just put this together in its ideal format, right? If you've got Rashawn Gary as your one, Preston Smith as your two, Lucas Van Ness as your three, Kingsley and Igbara as your four, Justin Hollins as your five, and then Brenton Cox is sort of a developmental guy, whether he's on the practice squad or active roster, whatever that may be, you probably only end up keeping five of those guys and it may come down to Cox versus Hollins at the end. We'll see how that ultimately plays out, but I love that depth. And again, I, I always talk about like how you want to slate these players. I usually talk about offensive line like a a pitching rotation and those sort of things, but Rashawn Gary can be your alpha, your number one, and you're really satisfied with that if he is the same Rashawn Gary that we saw from a season ago. I think Preston Smith is probably on the decline. And we're, you know, we're probably not going to see 2020 or what was it? 2018 Preston Smith, whatever that first year that he had 2019, um, whatever season that was, I, don't, I think it's 2019. I don't think we're going to see that Preston Smith again, but I think he's still more than capable of being a good number two edge rusher in the NFL. And I think he slots in really nicely there. And even better, if he doesn't have to play those 50, 60 snaps per game, and now you have Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley Negbare who are able to rotate in and you're not going to lose a bunch. In fact, there's a chance Van Ness can even outperform Preston Smith this season. If that starts being the case, then if he's playing 30-ish, 35 snaps per game and you keep him more fresh at this stage of his career, I think he can play better than he did even a season ago where he had a solid but unspectacular season in 2022. Then you've got Lucas Van Ness as that high upside, incredibly talented edge rusher who is probably not going to be the player that he's eventually going to become right now, but he has all the talent in the world and is still going to be able to provide you a really nice pass rush and edge setting edge rusher from the outside. So really like him slotting in as number three. Inigbari is a per, you know picture perfect number four. And the thing that I love about Inigbari is he is a different player than Van Ness, Smith and Gary, who all like to win more with power. And Enigbari is a little bit more speed. He's a little bit more technique. He's a little bit more, um, he has just a variety of different pass rush moves at his disposal. I think that's a very, very fun group at you know with those four. Justin Hollins as your five, I don't think you're upset with that at all. And then Brenton Cox is a fun upside player as your six. That is a really fun and deep group. A lot of it hinges on Rashawn Gary. You take that piece out of it and you've got Preston Smith as your one, that's not a good enough number one. Lucas Van Ness maybe can be your number two, and Igbari maybe can be your three, Hollins can be your four, but it's really that first piece that, you know, with no Rashawn Gary and Preston having to be the one, things don't slot in quite as easily. Rashawn Gary slots in as your one, and now everything is just supercharged from that point forward. So really like that edge group, but a lot of it is going to hinge upon Rashawn Gary. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: At linebacker, you've got Devondre Campbell as your one, Quay Walker as your two, Isaiah McDuffie as your three, then you've got Eric Wilson and Tariq Carpenter. overall, I like this group. I think a lot is going to hinge here on which version of Devondre Campbell do we get? Is it last year's version or is it all pro version from two seasons ago? I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Quay Walker, just how big of a jump can he make in year two? We saw some good stuff. We saw the size, we saw the speed, we saw the athleticism, we saw some hard hitting, we saw him get sideline to sideline, we saw some plays in coverage that, you know, not a lot of, you know, players at that position can make that he just has the speed and athleticism for, but We also saw him get caught up on a lot of offensive linemen not being able to shed blocks. We saw some boneheaded decisions. Those are some of the things that have to get cleaned up. Some miscommunications. Teams really attacked him in the passing game in the middle of the field. Those are things that need to get cleaned up, and how big of a step he can make in year two is going to be huge. I really like Isaiah McDuffie as a number three. He's not going to wow you at any point in time, but he's a fun player. He's a firm tackler. And I think he's going to be fundamentally sound. That's exactly what you're looking for. Add in the fact that he's a core special teamer. That's a good number three. Eric Wilson, I think is capable of being your number four inside linebacker, plus being a core special teamer. And then Tariq Carpenter is the really interesting one. As you have a former safety making that jump to linebacker, could he get used in potentially some you know, hybrid safety linebacker, obvious passing down packages in those situations to just get a better coverage player on the field than a usual linebacker? I think maybe there's something there as well. So not like dripping with enthusiasm about this group. A lot's going to depend on those top two and Campbell and Quay and just what type of seasons they have. But overall, I think it's a solid group of inside linebacker, uh, inside linebackers, excuse me, and not a group that I think you're looking at and being like, oh, this group is just devoid of talent and they can't, like, that's a good group. Like you can easily win in the NFL with that group of linebackers. So excited about that as well. At corner. Same thing here. Eric Stokes is going to be a really interesting piece to see how he returns from injury, as we talked about. But Jair as your one is great. I'm fine with Razul as the two. I think as an outside corner, if they let him be a little bit more physical at the point of attack, let him be a little bit more press man, then I think he can really play. And we know Jair can play that way on the other side. I think Nixon can do that in the slot. So I'm good with Razul as number two. And he played well once he got back to outside corner a season ago. Inside at slot, not as good. Outside, he fits in right perfectly as that number two corner. I'm really excited about Keyshawn Nixon at number three. If Eric Stokeson becomes your four, your your dime corner and your next guy up off the bench, if anything happens to your top three, I think you're more than happy with that. Even if he's recovering from injury a little bit, I think, you know Carrington Valentine has all the potential and upside to be your number five corner. No real issue with that. And I think even Corey Valentine as your number six core special teamer who's shown a little bit as a corner as well. I don't mind that as being your six guy, sort of your Jarrett Bush in you know the group where he plays a ton of special teams and you don't really want him on the field as a primary corner, but if you need him for 10-ish snaps here or there due to some injuries, you can play and it's not going to be brutal either. So Jair, Douglas, Nixon, Stokes, Valentine, and Valentine all great. Now, you take that Eric Stokes piece out, just like we did with Rashawn Gary in the last exercise. You have your starting three, you feel pretty good Jair Douglas and Nixon. But now, if Stokes isn't ready yet and any of those top three get hurt, now you're probably, you know, need a like any, one of those guys, whether it's a Keandre Thomas, a Carrington Valentine, a Corey Valentine, one of those guys is starting is playing almost every single snap for you. So that's where things are going to get a little bit dicey is if Stokes isn't quite ready and anything were to happen to Jair, Douglas, or Nixon, you've got probably a Carrington Valentine or a Corey Valentine, maybe a Keandre Thomas playing almost every snap on defense as your third corner. So that is going to be very interesting if something like that were to happen. But if everyone's healthy and if Stokes can come back and compete the way that we expect him to be able to, that slots in really well. And I think you're really excited about that corner group. And then, and then we get to safety and it's not quite as great, right? Darnell Savage is your one. That's not good enough. Darnell Savage has had two back-to-back really poor seasons and to the point where he got benched at safety a season ago and he got back in, you know, and I thought he played better once he got in, you know, his second chance a season ago. The only reason he's on this team right now is because he's on the guaranteed deal and they couldn't trade him away and there's no, if you release him, you pay him anyway so you're like I hope that we see 2020 Darnell Savage because he was really good that season, and if we get that version of him, I think that's more than okay as even like a number one safety. Like you're you're not too worried about that. But then John, you know, you've got Jonathan Ford, you've got Rudy Ford, I guess. You've got Tervarius Moore, you've got Jonathan Owens, you've got Anthony Johnson Jr., Dallin Levitt, Ines Gaines. You've got a ton of question marks is what you have. And I don't mind what Goody has done here and basically saying like, well, Rudy Ford played okay a season ago as a starter. Tavares Moore has some upside. You're giving him a one-year prove-it deal. Jonathan Owens has started in this league. Anthony Johnson Jr. is a really intriguing seventh round pick. Ennis Gaines has showed some flashes and can also play a little bit in the slot. Down level, we can almost take out of this group and just put with the special teamers, but he's a veteran that's probably going to make the team as like an emergency safety. But all the rest of them are like, can we get one of those guys to step up? Darnell's probably going to get one of the safety jobs. Can just one of those other players, one of those veterans on a one-year prove-it deal that if any of those guys go out and, and show out, like they're going to get a good contract next year. Like You're just hoping one of them steps up. So you don't need Rudy Ford, Tavares Moore, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Ennis Gaines all to be really good. You just need one of those five to show that they can be a starting caliber safety alongside of Darnell Savage, who you're hoping looks more like 2020 Savage rather than 21 or 22. But there's a decent chance that you just get the last two seasons of Darnell Savage all over again, which is not good enough the Rudy Ford that was more the Jacksonville Jaguar Rudy Ford, and the one that ended up getting benched towards the end of the season a season ago. Tavares Moore, the guy that couldn't break the lineup in San Francisco. Jonathan Owens, the guy that struggled mightily with Houston last year. Anthony Johnson Jr., just a seventh round pick. You don't want to put too much stock into that. And Ennis Gaines, basically a guy that can get on the field a little bit, but you're probably hoping is more of a backup caliber player and, and probably core special teamer than anything else. And if that happens you have no starting caliber safeties. And I lean more towards that direction is that that's probably what this ends up with. And I think the crazier thing here is, there's no future at this position. Savage is on the last year of his deal. Ford, Moore, Owens, and Levitt are all on one-year deals. Like the only players under contract for next season, Anthony Johnson Jr. And then Ennis Gaines is an exclusive rights free agent next year. Like that is it. So that is really crazy that not only do they not have like the top end talent now, not only do they not have starting caliber players right now, like you don't even have guys that are necessarily ready to be up and coming and start in 2024 either. So definitely one of the more depleted positions on the roster. From a coaching standpoint, Jerry Gray is gone as the secondary coach in is Greg Williams from the Cardinals. A passing game coordinator is his official title. That was the only change on the coaching side of things. And then the questions that I have ultimately for this defense, number one, what can Joe Barry bring to the table in 2023? And I don't think this has all been Joe Barry's fault. I don't think this has all been Brian Gutekind's fault. I don't think it's all been the player's fault, but I think there has been fault everywhere. I think Joe Barry's defense and how he's utilized his talent has not been good enough. I think the marriage between Brian Gudekinst's talent evaluation and Joe Barry's scheme has not been good enough. And I think the players, especially the star players on defense, have not played well enough. And that all needs to change in some capacity. But that starts with the head of the table, and that's Joe Barry. And who, you know, what he can ultimately do as defensive coordinator. Can he get the most out of his talent using his scheme? And if not, can he change his scheme to fit the talent that's on his roster? I thought we saw that a little bit more towards the end of the you know last year, where they kind of abandoned Barry's you know scheme a little bit and said, "All right, we got to play these guys differently." We saw a little bit more uh, success from the Packers' defensive backfield and just defense in general, and when they started doing some of that. So, what can Joe Barry do to get this team playing at its highest of levels? Let's just be real, right? This is Joe Barry's last chance of probably being a coordinator in the NFL. If it doesn't work this year, he probably ends up without a job in Green Bay, and he'll probably end up as a really good linebackers coach somewhere, but probably never gets a defensive coordinator job again. And this is his last chance. And I'm rooting for him. I really want him to do well. Sometimes it's easy to say, like, I hope he's terrible so they can finally fire him. No, I hope he's great so the Packers go out and have an awesome year on defense and that he ends up being a really, really good defensive coordinator. That's what I'm hoping for. What ends up happening remains to be seen, but that's question number one for me. Question number two, I've done a full episode on, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it's that run defense. The run defense gave up five yards per carry a season ago, and I think Luke Van Ness is going to help. And then what? Like, you know, how much better can TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt be? I think that is a big question for that defensive front. Can Kenny Clark be better? When does Rashawn Gary get back? Can Devondre Campbell play like all pro Devondre Campbell? Can the corners and safeties support the run better? Can Keyshawn Nixon be a big piece in run defense in the slot? Can those safeties run up and scream up and make those plays and fill those alleys and fill those gaps in the running game? Those are things that remain to be seen, but you can't allow five yards per carry again. And if you do, you're just going to get blasted in the running game and you're going to continue to be a bad defense. So that is a major concern and one that I don't have a perfect answer for with based on, you know, how Joe Barry likes to play his defense and based on the talent on this team. Number three is when do Stokes and Gary get back and just how big of an impact can they have when they do come back? Number four is the play of the safeties. The, the safeties in this league are really interesting right now. On the one hand, if you want to play two high safeties, it becomes a little bit of a devalued position and the reason i say that is covering just half of the field you like basically you just need to be a sound tackler and have pretty good ball skills you don't need super speed cuz you're only covering half of the field you don't need to be an incredibly intimidating player over the middle like you just have to be a good tackler and have good ball skills and like you take good angles to the ball like you don't you're not matched up a ton in man coverage you're not having to blitz a ton, you're not having to play a box safety, you're not having to, like a lot of the exotic things that some coordinators like to do with their safeties, if you're just playing two high safeties and you're doing a lot of cover two, cover four stuff, you don't have to have an immense amount of talent. And in those situations, sometimes you can get away with a little bit less at safety and paying some of the more premium positions like corner, edge rusher, defensive line, et cetera, and not putting as much money into safety. It's some of that you can get away with. On the other side, we're seeing more and more teams Really start to value safety because of the uniqueness of some of these offenses and what they're doing. We're seeing an influx of the college game into the NFL, and we're seeing more mobile quarterbacks. Well, you don't necessarily want to have if you're going against Justin Fields and you know Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and some of these super fast quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, etc., Josh Allen. You, you don't want. You know, it to be just up to your linebackers to try to, you know, spy those quarterbacks and try to get them down. You would prefer you've got a super athletic safety that can play in the box a little bit more, keep an eye on that quarterback and make sure that he can't scramble around quite as much. If you don't have that on your roster, that's going to make things a little bit more complicated. Now, Green Bay is lucky that they have a Quay Walker who is super fast and athletic and is a a true linebacker. So maybe they can get away without needing that specific thing if Quay can be better this year. But you lose a piece of that if you don't have one of those super talented safeties, and then we get to tight ends too. Tight ends becoming more and more of a mismatch nightmare and something that offenses are really relying upon. If you don't have, you know, a, a corner that's big enough to cover those tight ends or a linebacker that's fast enough, you have to really rely on your safeties. And Green Bay doesn't necessarily have that at the safety position either. So. By just playing that too high safety, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover four, you're okay with maybe a Savage and whomever else ends up winning that job, but you don't have the upside to do some of those more creative, unique things. And that's going to handicap um, and just kind of hamstring Joe Barry a little bit with what he's able to do on the defensive backfield side of things. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. Number five is, can they increase their sacks and their pressures? A lot of that's going to be tied to Rashawn Gary, but they got a Lucas Van Ness. They have Kingsley and Igbari hopefully making a second-year jump. Maybe Preston Smith playing a little bit less is actually going to make him a little bit better. Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton on the inside, I'm really excited about. I'm excited about Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks even maybe being able to make a, a um, you know their presence known as pass rushers on the inside. But they need to get more sacks and more pressures to make things easier on the defensive backfield. Number six is the play of the high-end players. Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander. If those four play like Pro Bowl slash All-Pro players, you're in a good spot. If those four play more like they did a season ago, where Clark, Campbell, Jair weren't quite up to the level that I think they're capable of, and then Gary, of course, getting hurt, it's going to be a lot harder to be really good on defense. So the play of the stars on defense is going to be huge. But the most important question that I have is identity. What does this defense want to be? If they want to be bend but don't break again, you can't break. Last year was a lot of bend plus break. That's a really bad disaster waiting to happen if that's the style of defense you're going to play. So if it's bend but don't break, can they be better with red zone defense? Can they be better with turnovers? Can they be better with making sure that they're getting teams off the field on third and long in those sort of situations? Can they stop their run? Those are things that are going to matter a lot. But if if that's their identity, they need to be better at it. Or is it going to be that they're going to be more physical? Are they going to be a press man cover team? Are they going to be a ball hawking team? Are they going to be a blitzing team? Are they going to be an intimidating team? Last year they had zero identity and that is going to be a recipe for disaster. I want to see what the identity is for this football team. I need to see them rallying to the football. I need to see them be way more physical, way harder hitting, and you know, figure out a way to take the ball away a little bit more. Even though they were what, 11th last year, I still think there's a way to get a few more, you know, turnovers and especially that's going to come if they can get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. But what is this team's identity on defense? My prediction somewhere middle of the road defense. I will say 16th rated defense this season is what I'm sort of expecting. I think you're going to see a very similar defense to what we saw a season ago. I think they have the ability to be good against the pass again. I think there's a really good chance that unfortunately they're bad against the run again. I do think they are going to increase their sacks. I think that can lead to a little bit of an increase in turnovers, but I think you're going to see probably a little bit worse third down defense. They were really good there a season ago. And I think ultimately they end up being more of a middle of the road defense, which is a little bit better than what it was a season ago but not quite good enough yet. And I think the play of their safeties really could cause some concerns for this defense overall. That's where I see this defense at right now. I hope they're a lot better, but I am certainly never predicting a Packers top 10 defense again until I see it out on the field. And I think this is probably not a top 10 caliber defense, unless Joe Barry just gets to work and really finds a way to use this roster to the best of its ability. There's a lot of talent on this defense, a lot of first round picks, a lot of money invested, and they're hoping to get better ROI in 2023. I hope I see it. I think this is going to be, like I said, a 16th-ish rated defense, but I am really excited about a lot of the players on this team. I think there's a lot of high-end talent, and I really hope we see the best version of this Joe Barry defense this upcoming year. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with the offensive version of the State of the Packers. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The headlines remind us
1: daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better.